Welcome back, Bible readers. This is the Rooted Podcast, and we are in week number seven of 2021. Now, we are uh, into February, and so our reading for the first week of February focus on Jesus as the teacher. And actually, we have a few questions I'm going to answer that some of our readers pose to us, um, and we'll answer that towards the end, uh, Tim. But uh, the next three weeks, we're going to focus on, because it's February, it's the month we celebrate love, right? Valentine's Day. Yes. I hope you've got your reservations set for your uh, Valentine's Day dinner, I guess. Anyway, we're going to be talking about love, and the next three weeks, um, kind of starting uh, in the Old Testament and working our way through the New Testament of passages about love, about love for God, love for others, um, how love should permeate everything we do. I'm reminded of Jesus' words. He says, love is what characterizes you as a disciple. So those are important words for us. Um, also, just a reminder that if you haven't chosen your Bible gift, if you've completed 2020 reading, you'll want to do that. Go on the website, lmbc.org rooted. Click on the little orange button that says available gifts. Select your gift and send an email to us. Make sure you include your mailing address so we can get it to you in the mail. And uh, last week, the recommendation from Pastor was the Bible pens. We still have plenty of those available. Um, but you can look through that list of available things. So this week, we're going to start... Well, I think we've got mainly Old Testament passages, which is... I like the Old Testament. I love good, the Old good Testament. place to go, um, that relate to love. And so um, we're going to look at Deuteronomy 4, Deuteronomy 6, I think, 10, a lot of passages, several passages in the Psalms um, as well. Um, so from a you know, 30,000-foot perspective, why uh, is love so important? I guess that's the question we should be asking as we're reading about it the next three weeks about love. And of course, I said earlier, um, Jesus uh, says the one thing that will characterize you as a disciple is your love for others. But what do you think in the Old Testament as far as the concept or the topic of love? How important, uh, Tim, do you think that is in the Old Testament? When you, you th immediately think of Deuteronomy 6 that was in that reading. Right. And uh, that is called the what? Shema. The Shema, I think is how we and say so it, right? thou yeah. shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and all thy mind. And, and one of the Sadducees asked Jesus in the New Testament, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus quoted Deuteronomy chapter 6. So loving God and, and loving your neighbor, well, that hangs all the law and the prophets. I think it says hangs. Yeah, all along the prophets. Now, when you said, when Jesus says, um, this is the first and greatest commandment, I think he says. Now, yes. if you look at that closely, that text, I think that's in Matthew 22 or 23, somewhere like that. It says that um, Jesus basically is summing up the entire, really, the Ten Commandments, isn't it? Yes. Love God, which is the first four commandments. Yes. Love others, which is the next six commandments. Yeah. So he's essentially saying, hey, look, the Old Testament... Uh, Ten Commandments are important then as they are today. And so that's why we're starting a little bit, too, in the Old Testament today with passages from Deuteronomy 4, Deuteronomy uh, 6 as well. Um, and loving God and our love for God, it's kind of, it's at the start, it's at the beginning, it's at the heart of everything that we do. And uh, you think about all that the nation of Israel faced in the Old Testament and how God, in His relentless and unfailing love, uh, continued time and time again um, 
to forgive and to love. And even today, God still has a place for the nation of Israel with all the mistakes and with all the failures and shortcomings. Yes. Um, it's, it's easy to see how um, he loved them so, so much. But what about these passages, the Deuteronomy passages? Let's just start there with the Deuteronomy passages. Do you see anything in these passages that are important, any key words or anything our readers might want to take advantage of? Well, um, uh, in the Deuteronomy 4 passage, okay. I noticed that there were t- two specific things in, in reference to, to loving God was, you know, they were able to hear the voice of God. Okay. No other nation could make that sta- statement. Good point. Good you know, point. Yeah. They heard the voice of God and they physically saw the fire. And it says those, those two things. Um, in, in the text, he says in verse 33, did any people ever hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire as you have heard and lived? And uh, that's a pretty good question, isn't it? I mean, that's speaking of, of their, yeah, of their privileged position to be able to be chosen. Privileged position. And, and that word chosen is what I find like in the yes. Deuteronomy 10 passage yes. where it says he chose them. I've chosen you for this. And, and they're given this privileged position as God's chosen people. And God um, obviously has not forgotten them. God still loves them like he still loves us. But um, all the opportunities they had, and yet still they they failed. And yeah. it's, it's what we do too, all the opportunities we have, and we still fail every single yeah. day. Uh, but thankfully, um, I also see grace all over this, all over these um passages in Deuteronomy, because even though they failed so many times, God was gracious enough and merciful enough to pick them up. And I'm glad that that God demonstrated that for the nation of Israel, as well as he demonstrates that um, for us today. He says that in verse 37, um, and because he loved your fathers, Mm. therefore he chose, that's what you're talking about, their descendants after them and brought you out of Egypt. And I like these two words, with his presence mm-hmm. and with his mighty power. So those key phrases, with his presence, with his mighty power. Yeah, my translation says with a display of great power. <laughs> I like the way it says that too. That's because, beautiful. Because sometimes, it, um, sometimes some of the phrases you, in other translations, I don't know, it just sticks with you more. Uh, it, it's, I don't know, more... Uh, more uh, verbal, more descriptive. Uh, right. And it's like when I was looking at another verse here in Deuteronomy 10, verse 21, and it says, my translation, NLT says, He alone is your God, the one who is worthy of your praise, the one who has done these mighty miracles that you have seen with your own eyes. I just like that phrase, you know, He alone is your God, the only one worthy of your praise. Yes. And I Amen. mean, you think about that and how many things the world praises. Um, and of course, that's kind of our theme of simply Jesus. You know, He's the only one that's really worthy of our praise. He's the one that we need to be going to every single day and not praising other things, praising the idols, praising the materialistic things or other people. Uh, he's to be our focus. Okay, Amen. well, so Deuteronomy, um, the, the idea of love in Deuteronomy is more focused on uh, God's love for the nation of Israel and, and how throughout all the Old Testament, constantly loving them, constantly showing them grace and showing them mercy. And of course, from that example, we look at our lives and say, we're so thankful for that love that God has for us as well, well, for all of humanity. 
Um, so what about in the Psalms? Okay. There's a lot of passages in the Psalms uh, that talk about um, God's, you hear this reference, God's uh, faithful, or I think sometimes they use the phrase unfailing love. Yeah. I like that phrase, unfailing love. And Psalm, the passages for this week were Psalm 13, 13 Psalm 59, 107, 136, 139, all good Psalms. And you see this phrase a lot, and I think I have it written down. I think I have Psalm 59. Is there anything you want to talk about in Psalm 13? Let's start there. One of the things I noticed in Psalm 13 is in verse number 1 and verse number 2, I see repetition, uh, but I see five questions. He says, how long, O Lord? And then he says, how long will you hide? How long shall I take counsel? How long will my enemy be exalted over me. And he's asking these rhetorical questions, yeah. I, I guess, for dramatic effect. And so how long, you know, you can sense his he's know, waiting struggle. For, yeah. He's waiting for, yeah. and that's a hard thing too. That's a hard you know, thing know to God do. loves you and you're waiting for him yeah. because you know in the end he's going to come through. But, you know, while you're in the middle of it, you're asking all these, and it's not wrong to ask those questions. Sure. Man, I mean, yeah. we ask him all the time, Lord, you know, I've been in this struggle for a while. Are you going to deliver me yet? How long must I wait? How long must I wait? And of course, he's going to come through. He loves us. But sometimes um, questions are good to ask in the struggle. Now, in, in 59, in Psalm 59, I see that phrase, and I circled it like three or four times, that unfailing love, yes. that unfailing love. Yes. Um, uh, verse 10, it says, in his unfailing love, my God will stand with me. Um, in verse 16, uh, he says, each morning I will sing with joy about your unfailing love. Then at the end of the psalm, Psalm 17, you know, oh God, you are my refuge, the God who shows me unfailing love. Take a minute to reflect on that. What does unfailing love mean? Wow. I mean, that's, that's a... Well, first of all, his love never fails. Yeah. You know, God can't fail. Uh, yeah. Um, it's... We live in a world with failed relationships. Right. Um, but our relationship with God, I mean, God's love never fails. Never fails. Yeah. He's, uh, everybody's going to let you down. Everybody's going to give you disappointments in life. But God's love never fails. God never lets us down. Yeah. Yeah, he's always one that comes through every single time. Yes. May not come through the way that we want him to right. come through or in right. the manner or in the timing. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> this is true. He, I, I, well, I hope he knows what he's doing, and I trust that he does. The Bible says he does, right? Yes. Yeah, he says he knows what he's doing. But but you know, maybe take a minute this week as you're reading through that and, and focus on that unfailing love and just reflect on that just as something. Um, now, you said that uh, earlier when we were talking – you had some other things you wanted to add, Bible study tips in the Psalms. We get into the Psalms. Have we covered a few of those? Yeah, a couple of those. But when, when, like when you you're reading, you, you look at the repetition. But something that I've been doing here lately is the Bible is chalked full of questions. Questions, yeah, like, like the Psalm 13, well, all those questions. Even when we read those passages from Deuteronomy, yeah. God is saying, have I not delivered you? And so God is asking us questions, and we, we stop, and I think he wants us to meditate on, yes, he, he does deliver us. And those questions are, are powerful forms of meditation, you know, to listen to the voice of God. And so mark your Bible. When you, when you see a question, okay. it, it's usually something pretty major, and um, 
uh, we've seen that in our in our reading. Um, and, and you find that a lot, you know, like you said, God's doing that. But, you know, in the New Testament, I mean, you look at yeah. Jesus. Oh, my. How many times does Jesus ask questions? He asks questions all the time. Right. Uh, I remember those set of questions that when he went in, in Passion Week, I think it's so on Tuesday, and he went into the temple and, and it was, you know, the controversies with the religious leaders and the priests, and they're asking him questions one after the next after the next. Were that passage we talked earlier, the greatest commandment, when a lawyer asked him, it's in that section. And at the end, Jesus is kind of frustrated, and he starts asking them questions, <laughs> and they're questions that they can't answer. But yeah, it, I think the questions, a lot of them rhetorical, especially Deuteronomy, or passages like Job in the Old Testament, to, to reflect and to kind of show us um, what's missing in our lives, because those rhetorical questions make you look inward, um, and they make you kind of assess what's going on in your life. Yeah. And that's why they're powerful. They're powerful. Especially those questions in Job. I'm yeah. thinking about those in my mind right now. Like, where were you when I created the worlds? Where <laughs> yes. were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? I mean, yes. those are powerful questions that make you feel small yeah. and insignificant. Um, okay, well, what about the other Psalms here? We've got Psalm 107, 136, 139. Of course, 139... Um, or excuse me, 136. I hope you can get the repetition in Psalm 136. Um, I think it every verse uh, repeats itself in and, Psalm you know, 136. People talk about the 711 praise songs, you know, that repeat and repeat. Yeah. Hey, the Psalms does that, you know. That's true. His mercy endures forever. The emphasis, God wants us to see that. God wants us to repeat that. His mercy endures forever. Isn't that the way yeah, it reads? Yeah, His mercy I, endures forever. And there's a difference here. Um, we have to understand, too, there's a difference between grace and mercy. Because mercy is is God withholding something that 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 we deserve. Yeah. Uh, grace, you know, sure. a little bit different. And so, you know, when it says that, that His mercy endures forever... He's constantly not giving us the punishment that we deserve. Sure. Because, I mean, you think about it, every time we sinned and every time we did something that was wrong and God punished us for it, man, we would we'd be really bad off. <laughs> we would be really bad off. We wouldn't get past yes. uh, first base. Yes. Um, and so that mercy, oh, is so important. I mean, we know it, and it's true. How many times in our lives where we've done things, continual things, maybe you're stuck in a habit or a, a habitual sin, but yet every time God's merciful, every time God forgives, every time, every time, every time. And we know that we ourselves would not be that merciful to someone who was committing that sin against us. Maybe sure. five or six times when we would be like, yeah. "Okay, I'm done with you, right?" I think the psalm says, <laughs> "He knows we're but flesh." You know, he he knows, he knows our frame. He knows, he knows everything and that's about what Psalm 39 says. Yes. You know, or 139. I know the inner parts. I know uh, everything there is to know about you. And I don't know how many times "no" shows up in in 139. The first yes. 18, 19 yes. verses. No, I know, I know, I know, yes. I know. Yes. And it's kind of scary when you think about that. He knows so much about us, but yet he loves us anyway. Amen. In spite of us. In spite of us, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you think about that, and that's, that's just powerful. Amen. Um, in spite of all that we've done. Mm. I mean, even Jesus, when the nation of Israel rejected him, when he offered them the king, the kingdom, you know, the people that he came to die for are the people that wanted to crucify him. You know, yes. the Romans didn't want to crucify right. him. Remember, it was the Jews that yes. cried out, crucify, crucify, right. crucify. So in spite of everything, I mean, you think about it, wow. It's just a powerful word um, from Psalms. 
Um, what else? I really enjoyed the the Psalm 107 because 107? it goes, okay. goes back to the historical part of the Exodus. It, it says they wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. They were hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted in them. And I love this because this is so Exodus. You know, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses. And it says He led them in the right way. I love that where they cried out and he delivered them out of their distresses. They certainly didn't deserve it because all they did was gripe and complain, but yet he delivered them out of their distresses. And I love the reflection uh, of and, the Exodus. And I, and I think you find a lot of that in the Psalms yeah. where that, that Exodus oh, yeah. event yes. is the event that a lot of them go back to and yes. say, from this experience, yes. you know, this is what we should look back on as a means of 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 you know just reflecting because you know nation of Israel a Jewish person likes to review the history yeah. likes to review how God has blessed them and kind of and that's a good thing for us to do as well I mean we might be in a uh, <laughs> a difficult time or season in our life and we feel like God has abandoned us but we can look back and reflect on our past and say look at how good God has been to us in the past look at how in this event He showed up and here He showed up and here He showed up and here He showed up. And it just kind of reminds us that he hasn't left us. He's still faithful. Um, just in the present circumstance, I think a lot of times we get lost. Yeah. We and, forget. And then in, in, the, in the point of this Psalm 107, he, he goes through that history of the Exodus, and then he, he stops and, and just hits me between the eyes, mm. and he says, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Wow. Well, it's obvious that Israel didn't do that. Yeah. You know, and we look at it and we say, "How could they be this way?" And we look in the mirror and we see ourselves in the exactly same way. Exactly the same way. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord. Yeah, it's, he's kind of like, <laughs> "That's all that I want." Yeah. You know, just please, just give me thanks. thanks. Give credit where credit is due. <laughs> and and with all that God has done, you think it would be more easier or simpler for us to give Him credit all the time. Yeah. Uh, but I think we get so self-absorbed with our own <laughs> agendas and, right. and our own kingdoms that we forget yeah. it's really all about Him. Always has been, always will be. And I think love is you know, the very epitome of, of what... I think that's one of the main character traits um, of God. I mean, there's obviously a lot of those... Um, what do we call them? Not character traits. I'll come up with the word... Uh, attributes. There attributes. It is. Um, but I think love is the most important because without love, you wouldn't have anything else. I mean, what he did for us on the cross, all through history from the beginning, when Adam and Eve sinned, he hatched a plan to fix everything. I mean, that's love, and you can trace it throughout all of Scripture. Amen. All right, now I have uh, two questions that, with our time that's left, and I'm not sure how much time it's left, I think a few minutes here. Um, I'm going to answer these two questions, and, and if you readers have questions that um, you'd like us to answer, send them in, and we'll do it this way. Sometimes I'll write an email, and uh, I'll ask some of the pastors what they think about it, and we'll send out a response, uh, but I thought this time we'd uh, use it as part of our podcast. So these two questions come from um, last week's reading, and I think maybe one from the week before, but the first one comes from Matthew chapter 5, verse 39, which was a reading, I think, on February the 3rd, the 2nd or 3rd, and it has to do with, it says, do not resist an evil person, and what does that mean, uh, the, the, the reader asks. Well, the word resist means to retaliate, 
And to explain what Jesus means in this context, he actually, in the preceding verses in chapter 5, verses 40 to 42, he gives four additional illustrations to kind of explain um, the spirit of the law. You see, because some people take this passage as a literal uh, non-aggression stance or a pacifist, you know, no aggression at all. However, the spirit of the law, which Jesus clarified, does not mean being walked on like a doormat. Okay, the point of these examples were to stress the principle of meeting hatred with love. That was the point. So returning good for evil might be another common way we look at it. I mean, you look at the life of Jesus, right? He allowed his enemies to lead him as a lamb to the slaughter, but he didn't cave into every hostile attack from the Pharisees and religious leaders. Many times he stood his ground and went toe-to-toe with them. I mean, also look at the, uh, I'll put another example here, um, the life of Paul. There were lots of times... um, where Paul didn't claim his Roman citizenship to get him out of suffering, but there were a few occasions, I think one in particular, where he did claim his Roman citizenship to escape uh, from being persecuted from a prolonged attack. The idea is that each situation is different, and of course, in Matthew 5, there's a progression here. You know, There's not one magic um, answer that fixes all of life's complexities, but in the end, love has got to be the disciples' governing principle. And that's what I really think that passes is teaching. Um, love must be that governing principle. Now, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, and, and I think you're right on, man. Uh, God wants us to, to extend love when a world is, is hostile toward us. Mm. And so the gospel love uh, is what Jesus is. Because they're looking at us, seeing how we sure. respond and we react. And if we're not loving others... And of course, that doesn't mean being walked over. That doesn't mean not standing up for what you believe in. Or, you know, again, each situation is different. And that passage is hard to, like I said, there's no one magic answer that solves all of life's complexities. I love the story where Jesus, I think it was, was it Judas that brought, uh, you know, the traitors? Yeah, yeah, in the garden. Peter, someone took a sword and cut off Malchus's, I think his right ear. Yeah, Peter did, yeah. And Jesus reached down and put put his ear back on his, and, uh, you know, that... How did they feel when they saw that? You know, yeah, and, and Jesus kind of calmed the situation. Absolutely, you know, he, he restored peace to the situation. He's like, it's not time for that. And Peter thought it was. Right. <laughs> he thought it was time to fight, <laughs> yeah. but Jesus was like, no, it's it's not not that time. And I think we sometimes learn the hard way uh, with some of those decisions. Now, the other question, a little more technical. Uh, I've been asked this question before. I think I've answered it probably before maybe in some way. But there's a passage in John chapter 20, verses 22 and 23. And this is what the passage says, and this is what the reader asks. The passage says, Jesus breathed on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. The reader says, I thought the Holy Spirit didn't come upon anyone till Pentecost. Am I missing something? And so in this passage in John chapter 20, verse 22, I'm reading from NLT, my NLT says, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So that, that's the text. That's the question uh, that they have. Now, let me make a few observations about what's going on here, and I think that'll help. Again, we're using our interpretation method, observation, interpretation, application. So before we do any interpreting, we've got to make some observations about what's happening. So first, the phrase, on them, Jesus breathed on them, actually does not appear in the Greek text. It's supplied based on the grammar. So we could say Jesus breathed and said to them, okay? Not breathed on them or upon them. That's not actually in the, in the text. 
Second observation is that this is Jesus in his post-resurrection state. John doesn't say, all right, John, maybe, maybe John's saying he breathed to show that Jesus is actually alive. Um, and what they're seeing is not a ghost, as the text says. Now, third, if we go to the next chapter, we find Thomas. We know him as Doubting Thomas. Uh, he was with the group in chapter 20, but he's left out in this group because the very next chapter in chapter 21, it says later Jesus appeared again to the disciples, you know, and, and Thomas is with him. So why wasn't Thomas with them in the first place? He's kind of left out of this experience. Poor guy, <laughs> if that were the case. <laughs> Fourth, uh, the Holy Spirit has always been in existence. You know, he came upon many people in the Old Testament for various tasks. You know, take, for instance, uh, the judges and Samson, you know, but here the Holy Spirit today takes up permanent residence in the heart of believers. It does not happen until Pentecost or after. Two more, and I know this might be a little technical, but fifth, the verb translated breathed actually only occurs here in all the New Testament. So that makes it difficult. So we don't have other texts to look at for comparison. The only ones we have is a Septuagint in which the word appears in Genesis 2-7 of God breathing of life into man. In the John passage, the verb believed is kind of what we'd say it's absolute. It has no auxiliary structure. It's not attached to the sentence structure in any way. It's kind of on its own. And there's no single English word to sum up taking a deep breath and exhaling. And then sixth, you know, and if this, if this is, as some have suggested, um, they believe this is John's record of the events at Pentecost, then it's very disappointing. <laughs> and the disciples don't start the mission of being eyewitnesses of the resurrected Christ as they do in Acts chapter 2. In fact, in the very next chapter in John, they go back to their old vocations as fishermen, and they restart the let's compare service records game. Who's more important here? But in Acts 2, the results are drastically different and powerful and life-altering. So in the end, I think that Jesus was giving these disciples kind of a symbolic or visual reminder of what the Spirit would do later on at Pentecost. And in fact, we know in the text of John, which is where this question comes from, John 7, 39, it states that the Holy Spirit was to come after Jesus had ascended to heaven. So that makes sense. So to me, this is a symbolic promise of the gift of the Spirit that's going to be later given. It's not happening here, but happens later on. Do you have anything to add to that, Tim? When I see the context, I see verse 21 where he says, As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And I I think of the Acts 1-8 passage. And then when he had said this, he breathed on them. In other words, could it be they were really in close proximity (laughs) to each other? Maybe so. He breathed on them, and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. In other mm-hmm. words, be receptive. Is that word future tense? Receive See, the we get, Holy we'd Spirit? See, we'd have to dig more and to do observation, you know, yeah. and this is why um, observations are so important, as Tim has made other observations that I haven't even considered. Um, and so observations lead to good interpretation. So you've got to look at the context. You know, he's already connecting things with Acts 1, which is important um, for this text. Um, so as you have questions, and, and you know, this may not have answered your question completely, um, may just have um, given you more questions just to ask More to later. chew on. More to and chew that's on. that's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah, you need you to know. chew on that. And that's part of studying the Scriptures. That's part of reading your Bible each day, getting into the Word, and chewing on those Scriptures. Yeah. So 
If you have other questions, uh, again, we can answer them here like this in this format, maybe at the end of the podcast if we have time, or we can send an email out to answer those questions, but keep them coming. And stay up to date with your reading. Next week, you'll do some more reading on love. We'll have a different guest on here talking about more about God's love and getting closer and closer into the New Testament. So that's all for this week. So we'll see you all next time.